Welcome to STEM Four's podcast, Understanding Teen Minds, where we explore the world of teenage mental health, looking at everything from signs and symptoms to early intervention. STEM Four is a charity that promotes positive mental health in teenagers and those who support them. This includes their families and carers, education professionals, as well as school nurses and GPs. STEM Four's mission is to foster the development of good mental health in teenagers by enhancing early understanding and awareness, and providing mental health education and resilience strategies. Join us as we open up the conversation on young people's mental health. Hello, and welcome to STEM Four Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Dr. Nahara Krause, and I'm the CEO and founder of STEM4, a teenage mental health charity based in London. I'm also a consultant clinical psychologist with many years of experience in a variety of mental health settings and a passion for improving the mental health of our young people. In this episode, we look at managing anxiety and anxiety disorders in children and young people. So anxiety disorders are very common in children and young people, uh, and yet they are poorly understood, particularly by the person experiencing it. And that's because whatever they might be going through feels so real to them. So the physiological symptoms that you have aren't fake. They are real. It really does feel like you might, for example, your heart's beating so fast that you might feel like you're about to have a panic attack or um, a heart attack, as it might be. Or there might be so much of a fear of a consequence of something that it becomes very difficult to separate it out. So the basics um, are the first thing that as parents and carers you can do is to explain what anxiety is. Now, You may well know what this is, but just a very quick refresher. Anxiety is our body's protective response to fear or to danger. Our body's response to fear is one called the flight, fight or freeze response. It's regulated by our brain and it is protective. So if we're walking along the road and something very scary jumps out at us, that part of our brain will protect us. And it will do that by sending a message to the rest of the brain and through that to the rest of our body to protect us through sending floods of chemicals, particularly activating chemicals, one called adrenaline, for example, that makes our heart beat faster. But they will be sending messages for your body to deal with it, which is the fight response, to run away as fast as you can and save yourself, which is the flight response. And in very short instances, until your brain decides the best response, your body will go into freeze. But in that freeze state, it won't last very long. And then it will kind of generate one of those two responses. So if you reflect back to the last time you were really scared, or if you think about putting yourself in a situation where you're walking along the road and something dangerous jumps out at you, you can think about what will happen to your body. So your heart will speed up and your heart is speeding up because you need lots more blood in your system. Your breathing will quicken and your breathing quickens because you need more oxygen to purify your blood. Um, And 
organs that are working all the time, for example, your stomach is grinding at the moment, that will stop because that will be seen as unnecessary energy. And instead, energy will go to all the organs that need it the most. So your arms and legs will have loads of energy because that's where you need it to fight your enemy or to run away. Um, your body temperature will go up because bodies work much better when they're warmer. And your mind will be extremely focused on being on the lookout for where danger is and how you can protect yourself. So this particular fight or flight model can then be translated into the experiences that your child or young person is going through. So you could say, well, it might be that you feel that your heart is also kind of pounding because you are seeing the thing that you're worried about in that same dangerous way. It might be that your tummy, because it's not working in the usual way, kind of feels a bit like there's butterflies in it. Or maybe even that you need to go to the loo when you don't need to go to the loo. And if your muscles are working really well and they're getting really warm and cold, then that would explain why sometimes you feel hot and cold. And if your breathing is really fast, because your body is, again, giving you loads of oxygen to kind of be really strong, then that breathing being really fast will also make you a bit dizzy because you'll have a bit too much extra oxygen in your body. So that model is called the hot cross bun model, or rather that's what I call it. And the hot cross bun model basically helps to understand the responses a young person is having using four different points on the hot cross of the bun. So point one is talking about the physical symptoms that the body experiences, Point two of the cross is talking about how it affects the thoughts and the thinking that you might experience when you are frightened. Point three is then talking about the emotions that you might experience. So you feel really scared, you feel really cross, you feel really angry, you feel really irritable. So you can kind of start to identify how you might feel in that instance. And the fourth point on the hot cross bun model is to then talk about what sorts of behaviors that might lead to. So if you're feeling under threat and danger, your thoughts are all kind of in panic mode, your body is feeling like it just wants to run, then your behavior will be to try and avoid the thing you want to do. So it really helps to understand uh, your child and young person to understand what's going through, but it also helps you to be more compassionate about what they might be experiencing and to try to understand or translate what their behavior might be expressing. Once you've explained what anxiety is, then it's helpful to help them to firstly learn to manage the physiological symptoms in their body. So there are many examples of some of these physiological symptoms and the Clear Fear app, that is a free app that's released by STEM4, have a number of these breathing techniques or there are mindfulness techniques or there are visualization techniques. And all of these help a child or young person to learn to breathe in a more regulated way. And because you've explained to them the physiological model of breathing in a lot of oxygen, you can help them to learn to breathe in a more regularized way so that they have equal amounts of oxygen 
carbon dioxide. And actually, as part of the explanation, it's also helpful to say to them that actually what they need more of is carbon dioxide so that their body then stops sending this hyper alert, be in flight or fight mode technique. So if you think about your child and you think that they will respond to breathing, then just anything that helps them to regularize their breathing, even if they follow you in terms of breathing in and out, can be helpful. Or on on the Clear Fear app, there's a dot that they can breathe into and a dot that they kind of that reduces that they can breathe out to. If you have got a child or young person who can visualize things, not everybody can, then get them to sit with you and just think about your last holiday, perhaps, where you had a lovely time on the beach or maybe a favorite walk that you both go on. And just get them to start to think a little bit when they start to feel anxious about that whole experience. So what it's like to, if it's by the beach, you know, listen to the sound of the sea, what it might be like to feel the sun on your skin, because using our sensory information again helps to reduce the physiological tension that we feel in our bodies. The next step is to then help them to learn to identify what their anxious thoughts might be. Now, this might not be always the easiest as a parent, particularly if you have got a young person who's a bit embarrassed to tell you what they are, in which case you can encourage them to start to maybe keep a diary of the things that worry them. And again, in the Clear Fear app, uh, under managing your thoughts, they can get the help of um, different types of worry warriors that can help them to challenge and identify anxious thoughts and think about alternative ways in which they can think. And one of the most significant things with regards managing anxiety or an anxiety disorder is to learn to face the fear. And this can be done with a parent or carer's support one step at a time. So that is really difficult because if you have got a child or young person who's refusing to do something because they're scared, they may get angry, they may shout at you, they may just sort of remain there, in which case it's important to give them some space to be frightened or angry. So you can use very positive words like, I hear you, I can see that this is scary and I believe you can do it. I'm going to sit with you. Let's think about breaking down what you can do into small manageable bits. Let's now think about how we can face it. We can face it together. And then if they still are refusing, you can say, well, have a think about it. Let's do some of our nice tension reducing exercises. And then let's try it again in a few minutes time. So supporting them to face their fear is really important. And this is one of the hardest jobs as a parent, because if you see a child in distress, it's very much easier to say, oh, well, let's let's just avoid it. So let's say if you take a phobia, such as a phobia about flying, then you can say, oh, well, let's just not fly. Let's drive instead, or let's just not go on holiday. The problem with that fear is that actually it doesn't teach them an alternative model of how to deal with it. So get some support if you feel like you're not going to be the best person to do it. And that is called exposure, exposure to fear. It's part of 
uh, a model of treatment called cognitive behavioral therapy. And that bit is the behavioral bit is extremely effective. But it might be that you want to get some help to be able to do that by asking your GP whether they can refer you to either a cognitive behavioral therapist or to a clinical psychologist who can work with your child or young person to support them in facing that fear. Now, an alternative type of fear, and again, one that as a parent, you would need to help your child or young person face is the opposite of avoidance. It's actually when you have a child or young person who's overdoing something. So this is more related to the compulsive bit of obsessive compulsive disorders, where you might have somebody who is checking the front door to make sure it's locked many, many times, or who is hand washing many, many times. And here, the idea is to encourage them to do less of that one step at a time, so that those anxieties don't overdevelop even more. And to help them to sit with the anxiety that that generates when they don't do it. So it's again, it's very distressing, and they will need you to be there on their sides, continuing to encourage them to be able to do it. But it's a very, very helpful thing to be able to do. I mentioned before that often children and young people don't express anxiety in the more straightforward way that adults might do. So often anxious behaviors are expressed as angry behaviors. And this then becomes a very confusing message for parents. So the reason that anxious behaviors are expressed as anger is often because anxiety makes a person feel out of control. And so that then is very scary. And by being angry, people can feel a little bit more in control. Um, It also might be related to whether certain types of anxiety behaviors are acceptable or not. So it might be that a child or young person might feel a bit embarrassed that they feel anxious about traveling, for example, or anxious about standing in front of the class and giving a presentation. And so rather than expressing their embarrassment, they'd much rather be angry and be angry with the person asking them to do it or indeed be angry with the parent or uh, carer. So the important thing here is to help them to have words to express their anger. So to be able to go, what might be happening in your body at the time. That sounds like it might be that you're feeling a little bit worried. So always temper down, uh, particularly if embarrassment is involved, temper down the words that you use. So using words like worried or a little bit anxious um, might be more helpful rather than using kind of more impactful words that make them feel further embarrassed. Establishing boundaries to help them feel safe is really helpful. So being able to say, we're going to try this when we do this particular task and in this way, and then I will come and help you out if it doesn't work in that way, helps children and young people to feel safe Um, and provide them with alternative behaviors. So when they do get angry, to be able to not just have words to say, but maybe also provide them with an alternative behavior. So when you are feeling really, really worried about facing this, why don't you go and 
I don't know, have five minutes just chilling in the garden or playing with the dog. So that that way round, they're also developing alternative strategies of self-soothing, which can be very helpful. In addition to clear fear, we've also got a very quick and easy take five strategy uh, at STEM4. And this is a form of breathing that helps uh, children and young people just to regulate their breathing by following the outline of their hand. So just to reiterate, parent tasks are really to be understanding to decode that anxiety is what the young person is experiencing, and then to be firmly gentle, if you can think about that. And that means, firstly, stepping aside from over-reassurance, because what you want to do is to help them to self-reassure. So if you have a child or young person who is asking you over and over again to reassure them, then try and get them to think about the words and the ways in which they can reassure themselves. As mentioned before, boundaries need to be set, and those boundaries need to be neither overprotective nor underprotective. Be aware of their age so that you've, you know whether it's a developmental anxiety, but also be aware of their age and what they're exposed to. So if they have seen a lot around war, for example, and they're seven or eight, then the understanding of that is going to be far more different to when they're 17 or 18. So think about being aware of what they're exposed to on social media, online, in conversations in class, and help them to start to either protect themselves against that information or to start to be able to discern fact from what might be a kind of an example or somebody's opinion. Finally, what is important is to also think a little bit about managing parent anxiety. So all of those techniques that I've described that can help a child or young person can also help an adult. So if you are a parent who experiences anxiety, then anxiety can well be managed by understanding the model, by thinking about how it affects you, by learning to challenge your own behavioral patterns or indeed your thoughts. So cognitive behavioral therapy is the first line support to help manage anxiety in both children, adolescents and adults. Um, and there are many online courses on um, CBT for anxiety disorders. Or again, otherwise, please ask your GP where you might be able to get some of that support. hope you found today's episode helpful. If you did, then please do leave us a great review wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information, you can find a wealth of resources on our website at stem4.org.uk. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at stem4.org. Links to our website and our five free apps designed specifically for young people can be found in podcast description. I hope you'll join us for our next episode. Until then, keep well. Goodbye.